Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I am Patrick. And I'm Tony. And uh, we're continuing on our, our kind of uh, later half of our book of Against All Oppositions by Greg Monson. And, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about defending the Christian worldview is, is the subtitle of this. And so what we've we've done so far is we've defined uh, um, the the what a worldview is, what 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 a Christian worldview is. Uh, we've we've done this in other books as well. And what uh, Bonson does here in uh, this chapter, chapter eight, is he's uh, um, taking a look at uh, uh, specifically one uh, type of worldview, uh, and especially from from uh, his vantage point, is he's looking at how to critique kind of the atheistic worldview. So, and, and uh, actually, he calls this one the materialistic atheist. Right. 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 So, so the atheist that says that only you know physical objects exist, kind of. Right. And so, you know, atheism can be a, be a broad term depending on, uh, you know, your, your um, uh, identification. If, uh, if Hinduism or if uh, Buddhism is technically atheistic in nature. Um, and so that, that, that would be kind of looking back at our, our uh, previous uh, couple episodes that we did of, of breaking down a, a, uh, a look at the worldview based on uh, how different uh, religions or uh, worldview outlooks look at uh, all of reality. And so um, here, uh, as Tony was saying that, we're looking at this from a purely materialistic point of view that all that is in the world is material things. And so can the, the question is then, can one operate within that worldview system? So we're going to look at kind of two uh, different aspects. Uh, is it is it knowable? And then also, uh, is it livable? And so mm. uh, uh, the, here's uh, where, where Bonson is kind of uh, more well-known. <clears throat> if you've interacted with presuppositionalists online or, or kind of um, uh, authors that have stemmed from Bonson, uh, these uh, kind of three areas are what Bonson is known for, and it's what uh, a lot of uh, presuppositionalists uh, really focus their uh, argumentation uh, on uh, when when confronting uh, atheists. So, so that's uh, what we're going to be doing of chapter eight, and we're probably going to split this into to two different episodes because it is dealing with only all of reality, and so uh, <laughs> we're we're wanting to to define our terms, and then uh, obviously. Uh, we're offering a critique. And again, what, what the, the critique from a presuppositional point of view is uh, there's always a, a kind of a two-step approach is one, it says, all right, let's grant you the fact that you are correct. Uh, are you consistent in, in living within that worldview? And then uh, hopefully the answer is uh, no, uh, because uh, the, the, the Christian will want to believe that uh, the, their worldview is the ultimate and uh, d doesn't uh, uh, not account for all uh, uh, material and immaterial things in the world and then provide then the uh, real answer and that that one would be the the uh, external critique and so that that's what uh, presuppositionalism does it, it it offers kind of this uh, kind of common ground area where you essentially say okay you want to live that way fine uh, what uh, what uh, what do we get as a result of that? It, 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 you, you say this is the case for, uh, you know, science or physics or chemistry. Um, is, is that, and you say this is all, all there is, all, all that we can see is all that we know. Okay, can we operate that way? And do you honestly believe that? Or are you, are you um, 
uh, inconsistent with with uh, what you're um, you claim to be saying. And so he uh, Bonson starts out uh, this chapter, chapter eight with in previous chapter, we surveyed the various kinds of worldviews that are available. He said, I told you that when you do an internal critique of these worldviews, you're going to be looking at the arbitrariness and inconsistencies. So now let's move on to an internal critique of material atheism. As we examine the problems that the atheist has in his worldview, you will see that from a philosophical standpoint, atheism has no credibility whatsoever. Big claims. Yeah. And so he says, some people want to know, you know, how can we defend the Bible as the word of God or Christianity as a worldview? He tells us that's the question. And he says that our apologetic is, and this is it, uh, that unless Christianity is true, you can't prove anything at all. In other words, you can put it, he says, in a more sophisticated way, the Christian worldview is the transcendental precondition of intelligibility. How about that? For a mouthful. There's your philosophy words right there. Transcendental precondition of intelligibility. So he kind of breaks this down for us. He says, it is the precondition, right? What must be the case and what must be assumed to be the case for anything in human experience to be intelligible. Right. So that's what he means by this idea of transcendental precondition of intelligibility. Mm. What must be the case or what must be soon for anything in human experience to be intelligent for us to understand anything? Right. And and, uh, we did talk about tag, uh, as it's lovingly uh, known, uh, with uh, with uh, Dr. Anderson uh, when we covered his book, uh, Why Should I Believe Christianity? And so you can uh, find those at cavetothecross.com. And uh, in the middle of the page, you can click on the book, see all the different chapters that we did. We talked about tag and especially um, uh, when he came on for the interview, uh, that's kind of uh, at least uh, what uh, what we wanted to uh, um, hone in on a lot because uh, uh, he's he's a well articulate in in um, the transcendental argument. And he does a, mm. a, a just a superb job in his writing um, on how important uh, tag is. Uh, and it's something that. I don't think uh, people tend to, to, to think about, you know, it, it, we talked about uh, with materialism, it seems to be the, the, the easy one to go to because uh, you're always interacting with the material. But when you kind of think about, okay, well, you know, what is the universe and what, what is it is expanding into and what are all the necessary cases for uh, why the universe is the way that it is, that's when you get into the, Oh, my, my brain is hurting type, uh, um, uh, ideas and their tag, uh, is, is, um, the, uh, kind of formulated on. And, and so he does just a, a really good job of kind of, uh, presenting the case for why Christianity is the best explanation in a transcendental, uh, argumentation. But the, uh, uh, atheistic materialist says, well, Christianity is not true. There is no God. There's no soul. There's no afterlife. They're just this life. There is just matter. And even if those things uh, exist, which I don't think that they do, then uh, we, we can never interact with them. We can't know them. And so uh, you can just throw, throw all of that out as there's just all that there is, is just this. There's no spiritual reality. There is just the physical cosmos and that's the hand that we're dealt and we're just going to have to operate uh, with within that structure and to build all these things like 
angels and demons uh, th that does way too much work uh, you 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 you're uh, overcomplicating the entire uh, situation you're you're just need to deal with the facts on the ground which are the physical realities of all things and that's it right so there, there's no need for you know all of this extra stuff it's kind of like an argument from simplicity or what they call parsimony right that if we can explain everything with the physical reality, then there's no need to add anything to our explanation or to reality at all. Right. So this is a, you know, a small, it's a simplistic approach is what they would argue. Right. Let's just deal with, you know, why add anything else if, if we can explain everything with the physical reality. Right. right. Yep. <clears throat> so they would go on to say that if, uh, if this were the case, you couldn't know, that this is the case and you right. couldn't prove anything at all. And so right. if, and, if and that's Parsons claim, right? right? Yeah. If, if materialism is all that there is and, and, and that's it, well then having this conversation right here, uh, reading this book, <laughs> thinking about things, applying, uh, uh, one idea for another and, and figuring out that, uh, uh, where, where things meet up or t uh, touch intellectually, uh, we need to stop doing that because, uh, that that's not what the, the the world is able to give us. We're we're just adding uh, our, our our meat sacks are adding to the complication of of this life because uh, we want to survive better. And uh, the, the the way to do that is not to be afraid of death or or to to think that uh, that this is all there there is and we need to feel more special. I don't know how that would lead us to uh, better survivability, but. Um, uh, it, it seems, it seems to be the case for me, uh, because that, that's all they <laughs> am. And this is important to me. So either I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm the, uh, the, 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 the product of evolution that needs to pass away, or, uh, I will, I will, uh, uh, pass along those genes that will, uh, lead to a better offspring and better survivability. So, uh, de definitely, uh, we're, we're, we're talking from an atheistic point of view here. And so, um, so survivability is, is kind of key of, what, what are the necessary outcomes are to, to go on to survive? Right, right, yeah. And so what Bonson does now after, you know, he's kind of laid out his, uh, his uh, perspective on materialistic atheism. Uh, now what he does is he goes into a series of about three or four uh, issues that uh, he believes the materialistic atheists uh, even though we have to deal with every day and they're kind of common sense type of things, he believes that the material atheist worldview cannot handle, right? And he begins with the, with the problem of induction. Now, this is kind of a famous problem in the philosophy of science, uh, you know, and he, so he asks us to consider the problem of induction. The problem of induction, he says, might also be called the problem of causality, or the uniformity of nature, right? These are some other uh, ways to express this particular problem. He says all science, biology, physics, psychology, even mathematics or whatever, rests upon inductive inferences, right? So inductive inferences take something that we've experienced in the past and projects it into the future, right? That's the basic idea of induction. So we can do an inductive generalization, for instance, where we say, you know, this has happened in the past at this time, and, and the same thing has happened in the past at this time, and therefore it happened in the past at this time. And so probably it'll happen 
in the future next time. So that's kind of, you know, we're we're making this inductive journalization based on what's happened in the past. There are various kinds of induction, but that's um, uh, a common one, right? The sun rose uh, the day before yesterday, it rose yesterday, it rose this morning, therefore probably, probably it'll rise tomorrow. That's an inductive inference. And that's the kind of thing he's talking about we live that out every day. You know, nobody checked. Most of us who are sitting down didn't check our seats to see if they would <laughs> hold us, right? Because the last time they held us, and so we just assumed that probably it'll hold us this time, right? Are we guaranteed that? No, and that's what Bonton is going to point out here. There right. is a serious problem with regard to induction, especially if you're a materialistic atheist. Right. And and this isn't, uh, you know, a, a promise for uh, a, a problem for a high level science. This isn't this isn't something that, oh, you know, what, once you get into the the doing math for the sake of math, not the not the good math that uh, that helps you balance your checkbook. I mean, th- these are the concepts that we teach at the very basic level to elementary school kids learning science. We, we teach them, okay, here's the five points of science. You, you have your, your, you know, your observations, you have your hypothesis, you have your testing. Well, all those things are, 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 uh, um, predicated on the fact that induction, uh, is, is, uh, kind of a, a necessary thing because why do experiments, why do experiments as a group, why do experiments now? And then in the future, why, why are you publishing your notes? And uh, all these things are, are taught at a very basic level to, to, uh, school children to get them to understand, uh, the, the, the very foundation basis of science. And so, um, here, here, uh, you know, we're, we're not talking about some some um, big heady claim of, well, induction, that, that that's a new and big word. No, this is just the, the ability to do science is, is rested upon, can we do it again? Or do we know that it can be done again? You know, if, if we're... If we're doing a, a scratch test to, to see if the the gold bar is real, well, we, we definitely can't rely on it happening again, and so we're going to have to do all our tests over again. And we we can't we we can't do it for that one piece of gold and another piece of gold and say, oh, these two things are similar. We we have to come up with a whole new system because of of this problem of induction, and so uh, that's what uh, is being talked about here. And he says, uh, what we learn about the past must be projectable into the future. All science rests upon the uniformity of nature. If there is no uniformity in the natural world, then all your scientific experiments would be a waste of time. Uh, you know, it, it, doing calculations to, to uh, get the, the, um, the tiny rocket that you're wanting to make at one, uh, you know, two hundredths of a scale and then blow that up to put a, a person inside of it. You couldn't go from one to the other uh, if, if this uniformity uh, isn't the case. You could learn everything you wanted about chemical interactions on Tuesday, but on Wednesday, that information would be useless. You, you <laughs> cannot know that that is still the case. The world is ever changing. It's, it's constantly in flux. Uh, you know, w- what's, what's, uh, what's there to hold it together? We don't know uh, if uh, two hydrogen uh, molecules coming together with an oxygen will create water. We're just 
really hopefully that it does or in well it did days. last time right yeah. it did last time and so you know we're kind of assuming <laughs> that or hoping that it'll do it last uh, next time right, right. And, you know in, in four <laughs> days we're all going to be scratching our throats so, so hopefully it's the case oh but we can't hope on things hope hope is the the wrong way to think about things that's right hope is a religious word <laughs> right <laughs> so in a broad sense induction is the view that the future will be like the past that the future relationships between events will resemble past relationship events and so uh, when we're talking about induction, uh, it, it might be uh, kind of a new word to you, but all we're saying is uh, what happened in the past was, is what will happen in the future on, on things that we commonly know and, and understand to, to be the case. And experimentation does flesh that out, but can we then rely on experimentations to, to do that and, and, and say that this will always be the case? Can we make those rules and generalizations? Right, and that's what he wants to uh, push with regard to the uh, uh, materialistic atheist, right? He says, pretend now for argument's sake that you're an atheistic material, and I'm a Christian, and I say the reason I'm going to the science lab today is to continue my investigations, um, you know, so that I can, uh, because I know that there's a sovereign personal God who made the universe, governs it, and controls it, and has made it regular, so that I can learn about things. The information I've learned in the past can be projected into the future because that's the way God has created the world, right? As a Christian, I have no problem with that. He says to the atheist, but what I want you to know and, and, and what I'm asking you is why are you going to the lab today, right? What gives you the confidence that uh, the, the, the future will be like the past? How do you know that's the case, right? And so that's the challenge. That's the problem of induction. So the Christian he's suggesting here has a uh, an answer. Why does induction work? Why do we believe the future will be like the past? Well, because that's the way God has created uh, his universe and he governs his universe. And as a creator, uh, he can be trusted. Right? right. What about the atheist? How do you know that, uh, you know, tomorrow will be like uh, uh, yesterday, right? And uh, obviously things change all the time, right? So what might happen uh, when, you know, when I picked up the pencil this time and I dropped it, I, I cannot guarantee that that won't do the same thing. You know, I can assume it, I can hope it, I can say, well, it did it last time, but that's no guarantee of what's gonna happen next time. That's the problem of induction, right? that we're, we have to assume that the future will be like the past. And for the materialistic atheist, there's no ground for that assumption, right? right? There's no, there's no way that they can have that assumption other than just uh, what he's going to show here is by a circular argument. Right. And that's what he's going to talk about. It. Right. And and we have to remember too, that the, the, the easy answer is just to say, well, it, it works. That, that's, that's it. It, it. I don't, I don't need to care about the why, uh, right. but it, it just works. But, right. but we're talking about what are the underlying assumptions of why things are the way that they are. And the presuppositionalist is always asking the question, why is this the case? And so the, the, the atheist response of, well, we know it works. We have proof that it works. Uh, if it, if it didn't, then all of a sudden, all of our things would, would be topsy turvy and we would be doing something else. 
But the Christian yeah, could just it, it, just make that that same type of argument and say, well, it just works because uh, we believe in God or God exists in the universe and it works. And if he didn't uh, exist, then it'd be topsy turvy. There, there's no distinguish between uh, those those two uh, uh, um, interactions with uh, what is reality. And so we're saying, well, why is this the case? And can you account for why th that is the case? So it just works. Well, why Why does it work? Why is that? Right. It, the, 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 yeah, it works is not an explanation. <laughs> right. That's not an explanation. Uh, you know, it works. Okay, fine. The explanation would be why does it work, mm -hmm. right? And, right. and uh, he's suggesting that the materialistic atheist doesn't have a why for induction. Now, notice he, we, we're calling this the problem of induction because it is a problem. It's a it's a problem for the materialistic atheist because how do again we have to you know just basically state it? How do you know that the future will be like the past? You don't, mm -hmm. right? That's the problem of induction, right? Mm -hmm. Now we assume it will, and we act like it will, and we say, well, it works. But there's no good justification for that, right? And this was pointed out actually in the history of philosophy. David Hume, who wrote in the 1700s, was one of the first ones to uh, help us to really understand this particular problem. Right, right. So if Hume, Hume says it, you know it, it's an issue. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so the atheist says that we live in a random universe. It's chaos. It's ever changing. Uh, species uh, rise up. They they change. They they uh, become new creatures and die off. And so this is constantly happening. And so uh, uh, stars are being created. Stars are are being destroyed. Uh, 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 the basis for all evolution, chemical and, and macro and micro uh, evolution is constantly changing everything in the universe. So he ha the atheist has no right to rely on inductive inference. He has no reason to expect causality or the uniformity of nature. Everything is random and changing. He has no basis for believing in the uniformity of nature. But then he has also then no basis to do science. And that's what science is. Science is this process to to once you once you find the method, once you plug in the numbers there, you get a law or a rule. And that's what pops out every time. And the, it goes from, you know, your theorem to to your laws, the, the law of gravity, the, the you know, all, all these things that we've we've uh, given millions of dollars to people for discovering these these consistencies within the universe. We can say, well, you have no basis for doing them because you have no basis for uh, relying on the uniformity of nature. Biology, astronomy, chemistry, physics, and even history and grammar are kaput. They're all gone. The study of these academic subjects require inductive inference. How do I know mm -hmm. that the, the person speaking German uh, that's taking my mm -hmm. English notes uh, is is uh, uh, operating in the same um, mental capacity as me when he's uh, translating from English into German. Well, we, we just can't take German scientists anymore. So they're out. And so we, we don't know. We don't know if uh, if uh, uh, hydrogen oxygen turned to water in Germany. So uh, we're, we're just uh, we're just stuck here. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he says that uh, the, the most common way that a person will try to recover from this challenge involving the problem of induction, you know, he'll often say something like this. Well, very probably the future will be like the past. So they push, you know, they, they add probability to the statement. 
The reason, uh, you know, it very probably will is that it has always done so in the past. So probably the future will be like the past because it's always done so in the past. So there, I've solved the problem of induction. But he, he says, Did you, do you notice the trick that was pulled here, right? So what was the trick? Well, the person who says the future will very probably be like the past has smuggled into the argument the very thing he is supposed to prove, right? When he says that the future will probably be like the past, what is he basing that on? Well, he's basing that on past information, right? In the past, the future has always resembled the past. Well, I think everybody can see this is a circular argument, right? right. In the past, the future has always resembled the past, so the future will resemble the past. Yeah, right. You, what you're using is your premise as your conclusion. And, of course, that doesn't work, right? It doesn't tell you anything. It's a circular argument. Right. You're begging the question. The question is, why do you think the future will be like the past? And if you say, well, because the future was like the past before, that's not a good answer. Right? <laughs> because my memory tells me so. And I know that because I trust my memory before and it's come, come through to the end. And yeah, but, well, okay. You're, you're still relying on past into future. And so uh, a, we're, we seem to be at a, a stopping point here. So yeah. all, all probability arguments rely on the assumption of uniformity. If you don't assume that the future will be like the past, all probabilities based on past are just wasted information. If we live in a random universe, all bets are off. If someone says to you, probably the future will be like the past, you will say, you've begged the question. That's the whole question. How do you know that the future will be like the past? Mm -hmm. Unless there's a uniformity in the world, you can't even make a good probability argument. And I always think of uh, that, that uh, this is very well illustrated by uh, Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, mm -hmm. because uh, th that that is a, a, a science fiction universe that believes in uh, in in this. It, it believes that we 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 don't know induction, and so you have a a hyperdrive that uh, turns the the uh, one of the spaceships into just random objects, and that's how it generates power to move throughout the universe. And so we don't uh, we don't always know that uh, what the thing is uh, right then and there will be like it was. And so we'll just use that for power. And granted, obviously, you know, this is science fiction and, you know, we're, we're not holding it to the same standards as reality, but at least there you, you're understanding, you know, th this is what the universe would look like when all of a sudden what pops into existence is the whale and the, and, and the fern. And the, the, the whale thinks about his entire existence until he falls and hits the ground and the fern goes, oh, no, not this again. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, yeah, they're trying to, uh, you know, actually portray reality as if the way material atheists believe reality is, right, is what that's trying to do. And of course, it, it ends up being, uh, it's funny, <laughs> right, right. you know, yeah. and, and, uh, and we see how absurd it is as well, right? Right. Uh, well, and, and that's the whole point is, is, is the main <laughs> character is, is realizing how absurd the universe is. He's awakened to this, this uh, uh, larger world where, where, uh, you know, we, we missed the deadline to, to, to stop this uh, highway from coming in, uh, like how, uh, uh, his, his own home did. And now he's, he's needing to bring a towel because that's what you do. That's the most important thing to do when you go on a space trip. And so it's th this absurdity that he's trying to, that he's trying to codify in his own mind. Uh, but, uh, he keeps running into to issues. Good old Arthur. Yeah. <laughs>
And so Vonson um, asked, then, you know, uh, what do we have here, right? He says, well, what we have is two worldviews in conflict. The one worldview, atheism ridicules you for your supposed Sunday school faith in Jesus, believing in the Bible and all that kind of stuff. But with that simple understanding of the world, you know, the Christian worldview, that God made the world, that he made you, he sent his son to die for your sins, you can do, Bonson tells us, some wonderful and powerful things. He says the whole history of science is based on that assumption that God controls the universe in a regular way and gives us the mental capacity to have ethical dominion over the world, right? Now, notice how powerful that is. It helps us to see that we can be confident that the future, you know, to a certain extent will be like the past, that, um, you know, that uh, God is in control and he is, um, and he's the creator of and in control of his world. Right. We have to remember, too, that the these uh, scientific revolutions uh, didn't occur because atheism suddenly rose up in the in the midst of France and, you know, the, the 1500s. It was a product of people who believed in God saying, I want to know more about how God created the world and how he ordered it. Let me yeah. go find out the majesty that that God has shown in his creation. And that's that's always been the case. And it's only to you get to a certain uh, um, uh, uh, monetarily point, uh, economically, uh, uh, the freedom within uh, one's culture, uh, that you have the freedom to, to, to go and expand on these things. I mean, uh, even, uh, Newton, uh, is, is trying to understand the order of the universe and he's trying to categorize it. And he's, he's got certain ideas that were wrong at the time, but are ordered in such a way that he's trying to figure out, okay, in what way did, did God, plan the universe and and uh, you know am i able to put enough spheres within my model here that uh that they they um that they interact with what i'm thinking is the case and you know he, he comes up uh along with leibniz uh, uh with calculus that were probably found out um at the same time uh and also they're probably uh precursors to what aristotle did but um the 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 arising of these scientific mindset isn't coming from uh, uh, just uh, the, the ether of humanity. It's coming out of a particular worldview that then is co-opted uh, by others. And so uh, that co-option co uh, will come to fruition even more so in this chapter as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so maybe you're thinking, but atheists do science, a lot of atheists. In, in fact, if you poll all of scientists and say, do you believe in God or do you not believe in God? A majority of them will probably say, no, no, there's no such thing as God. And I'm going to go back to my beakers and test tubes and models. And I'm going to, uh, you know, find out the, the redshift of the universe and prove even more so that God isn't isn't there because uh, the redshift shows uh, God can't be uh, the, the, the creative force in the universe. Well, in fact, many atheists have accomplished more than Christians in science. And so uh, that's what we're talking about here. But it just goes to show that atheists are not very good atheists. Uh, uh, let's harken back to um, Dr. Mitch Stokes, uh, 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 how to be an atheist. He's saying atheists should be better than what they are because they're not being very good atheists when they claim all these uh, certain things. They say one thing with their mouths, but they believe another thing in their hearts. They say there is no God and there's just random universe, but in their hearts, they believe in regularity. 
well, why not? Why not go random universe? Why, why are you you committing yourself to science? Science is, is is a regular principle. You're you're trying to establish those laws and rules. And in a random universe where where universes pop into existence from uh, nothing, uh, why, why are we commi- committing ourselves to that? Why, why are we believing in that? Yeah, the, pro- yeah. the problem of inductive inference undermines materialist atheism because it makes science impossible. And that's his point, right? So, right. so that's the, that's so that's kind of his first shot here at the atheistic materials. Uh, you have no ground for uh, inductive inferences, right? Uh, all you have is a circular argument, and uh, based on that, you know, if we believe what, uh, if we hold to what you say you believe as an atheistic materialist, then. Um, Things would just be randomly happening. There's no explanation for why the universe is orderly, why it uh, seems to be uniform in its various laws and that sort of thing. How can you have that in a random uh, materialistic universe, right? So that's that's just, that's just kind of its first shot. The second one is then uh, the uh, the other kind of side to this. It's the problem of deduction. So you know, there's major two major uh, kinds of inferences, right? Inductive inferences that allow us to think, you know, and solve problems, and deductive inferences that allows us to come to conclusions and think uh, rationally and solve problems. And so he's looked at the problem of induction, now he's going to look at the problem of deduction. So he says, let's uh, let's think about this problem of deduction. Deductive inferences rely uh, on the laws of logic. So when we uh, deduce conclusions, we take the laws of logic and the truths that we know, so the laws of logic and the truths that we know, and we do operations on those truths according to the laws of logic, and we draw other conclusions. And so because the laws of logic are valid, we're able to learn a lot about things that we haven't experienced. So if I know, for instance, he tells us that all men are mortal, and I know that Gary is a man, then I don't have to wait until Gary dies, right? (laughs) I can tell you now that he's mortal. It follows from the premises. And so that's kind of how the uh, deductive, you know, inferences work. Right. And can't, can't we see uh, where he's going in a, in a world of uh, complete randomness? Well, to do deductions, you need to be able to identify classes and laws of thought. Or if you want to put it in this way, relationships between the classes and the laws of logic. You can't do deduction without that ability. Without logic, you can't do any academic work or understand anything. Okay, so a, a big key. So understanding anything, is, is this something? Yes, okay, so we need to be able to, to, to do this type of, of deduction. Now you're talking to a materialistic atheist who says that all reality is physical in nature. But if all reality is physical in nature, where is the class or what is the category of humanity? Is that a physical thing? I'm not asking if humans are physical, but he's saying, which he's saying, yes, you know, yes, we are. But is the concept or class known as humanity physical? Well, no, no, it isn't. Uh, and what about the class of mortal things? Is that class physical? He says, well, no, it's it's not physical. Right. So we say that all men are mortal and Gary's a, a man. 
you know, well, the, so he's what he's getting at here is the class man, all men, humanity, right? Uh, and uh, the uh, is that class physical? There are individuals that make up that class, but is right. the class all men or all humanity? Is that physical? And he's trying to make out the point that no, that is not physical. Right? So this so is you kind can't of like, have that in a materialistic only universe. This is uh, Plato's type of form thing. So it, are are we able to to see a person walking down the street who's missing a leg and go, oh, well, they're still human. Well, wh- where? Yeah, how do we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah right. where, where is that? Is is the, their aura? Is is that it? Uh, can can we can we look through some crystals and, and see an, an aura of humanity? Or you know, someone has lost their humanity. Uh, oh no, right. uh, I've I've missed it, and now I'm unable to uh, to uh, breathe on a windowsill to put a smiley face on uh, because uh, my my uh, my humanity has gone out for me. Right. And then he makes the same kind of, you know, move with the concept or the class of mortal things. Right. So we know that humans are mortal in each individual. But what about the class of mortal things? Right. And so he makes the same type of thing. And then he he gives us another illustration. Right. He says uh, when the unbeliever wants to do reasoning, let's say mathematical reasoning, he says, well, we know certain relationships such as two plus three equals five. But he tells us here uh, is a philosophical question. Is this character on the page itself two, right? Is the character on the page two? Uh, if it is, then we could just erase it and there'd be no more two in the universe. <laughs> we have been a two, right? <laughs> yeah. Says, uh, you know, of course, that that particular character wasn't two. That was just the numeral two, which is a representation or an instantiation, right? An instance of the concept two. The concept of two is not physical. And that's what his point is. Here. Yeah. So we have to uh, understand and assume, uh, or at least uh, realize if we're going to, you know, when we're doing math, that uh, we're dealing with concepts that are non-physical, well, again, the question for the atheistic materialist is how can you have that in a materialistic world, right? Right. So how can you have numbers? Right. <laughs> right. I, I like what he says here on page 155. He says, can you go to the refrigerator and say, I'm going to pull two out of the refrigerator tonight? Two what? Never mind that. Yeah. Not two of anything, just two. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it cold? Yeah, <laughs> Will it break if you strike it on the counter? Right? <laughs> Sounds like something you do in like Sesame Street. Oh, I'm going to go pull two out of the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> so here, uh, here you have the unbeliever who's talking about immaterial, non-physical set of things known as human beings and immaterial, non-physical set of uh, uh, things known as mortals and immaterial, non-physical two-ness. And yet he's using the laws of logic, which are not physical, but conceptual. The last step that you say to the atheist uh, is since for everything that exists must be material or physical, then for you, there can be no laws of logic or classes or concepts. There can be no numbers. There can be no concepts of humanity. There can be no classes of mortal beings. There can be no laws of logic. There can be no classes and no laws of logic. There can be no deduction. And so uh, if, if you've ever listened to Bonson uh, debate uh, uh, um, uh, Gordon Stein in, in kind of the uh, debate he's well known for, 
this is something in their uh, in their uh, um, in their cross section debate uh, that he really harps on. And and so uh, uh, if you want to go and listen to that, um, I'll I'll remember to put a link here uh, in the show notes to uh, to to link that uh, that uh, classic debate. And so this this idea of 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 okay, well, if everything in the universe is physical, then when I say two of things, you're just talking about uh, a a a um, uh, an utteration from your your mouth, but you don't actually mean two in the sense that uh, mathematicians think of two. And so there seems to be an issue with that. And uh, what about the laws of logic? Are those things just mere words, or are they are they is that part of reality? Can can something exist and not exist at the same time? Well, that that seems to be uh, an issue with. Uh, everything just being reality and that's all there is and there's no further discussion needed. Right. And so the point he's trying to make is notice he's taken two things away from the materialistic games. He's taken inductive inferences now and then deductive inferences. And again, his point, as he made at the beginning, is uh, the Christian worldview is the transcendental precondition of intelligibility, Right precondition what must be the case right what must be assumed for someone to know anything right to to for their experiences to be intelligible and if we take away induction and deduction uh you know then the atheist is uh can't have uh, you know any intelligible understanding of the universe right because they're assuming that there's only physical things that exist and of course these things are based on non-physical reality so we've taken away science we've taken away the laws of logic good thing <laughs> that's all that we're able to take away from atheists so uh, as long as we can focus on those things and and nothing else then then uh, we can defeat atheism well, okay, actually, uh, we're going to stop halfway here because there's actually two more areas of all of reality uh, that we want to focus on that the materialistic atheist does not have the ability to uh, uh, account for in their worldview. And so uh, we're going to cover those uh, next time uh, when uh, when we complete uh, chapter eight of a critique of atheism. And so hopefully you'll join us back uh, next time and uh, we'll figure out uh what, what else uh, is there an issue if all that there is is all that you see? Uh, there are maybe other things that you don't see that you uh, uh, just kind of take for granted. So uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. See you next time.